How's everyone doing today? Tired. Quemadito. Tú sabes. Tired too? You got sunburned the moment you got there, Lisa. I saw you. Wait, wait, wait. First, turn it down. Turn it down a little bit. I, I'm just saying you were really red when I saw you. Yeah. Yeah, I know, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to use the W word because I don't want to sound like, you know, us dark against you, W. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, but I, I, dude, I didn't think I was sunburned. So I, I went to take a shower and I had like this area, Todo esto, like all of this. From here and up, morenito. You know what I mean? So I have like a red line. And then my, yeah, it's, it is what it is, you know? Huh? No, 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 yeah, no. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I must start peeling out. Ugh. That's the part that I don't like. I don't mind being summer. What I don't like is like then you see the skin coming out. And you try to play it off. Like, if, have you guys ever seen somebody that's like that, that sunburn? And then you know their skin is coming out, but you, like, and they have a piece of, piece of it coming out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't want to be like, hey, you know, hey. You kind of like ignore it, even though you, you know what I mean? Oh, my. You know, I got to, yeah, no. Yeah, no, hey, it is what it is. Um, what am I doing with this on my face? Sorry, guys. Um, how many of you guys are reading the book, the, the prayer book? One, two and a half, Marlene? You started? Got it. Anna, you started reading it? Yeah. All right. How many of you guys are finished with the book? I'm not there just yet. I don't know. Honey, you and I need to go through, like, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions because you read it in one morning. But then somebody else said it's possible. So then I'm like, man, am I that slow of a reader? Either way, I'm going to start asking some questions. I'm going to start asking some questions on the book. That's what I'm going to do. Something, uh, if you guys uh, are not aware, every Friday night we have prayer night. And, and this month, or yeah, for the month of September, it's my turn to... to to come and share and, and lead per night Fridays. And as I was, uh, I, as I did the devotional this Friday, the past for, for prayer night, I, there's a lot of things that, that are like God has been showing me. And I want to share with you guys what the Lord is showing me, right? And, and I don't want you guys, I hope that you guys, every time I share something with you guys, I don't like, I don't want you guys to feel like, man, how come I'm not experiencing that? Or why isn't that happening to me, right? So, God works in different ways, but I think by you guys, by me sharing with you guys what the Lord is showing me as, as, as an individual, I, I hope you guys see that, that I'm just as normal guy as any of you guys, maybe a little more abnormal than usual, but God still uses people like me. Um, so in that book, one of the first things that, that, that the writer uh, teaches is on Ephesians where Paul talks about kneeling down and praying for the people. Now, you might read that and be like, okay, so what? What does that mean in my life? And, and just like anything else, if you just read it, it, it it's something nice, the, the, you know, somebody kneeling down and praying for others, that's, isn't that what we're supposed to do? And the answer is yes, of course. 
But when you study deep as to the meaning of what it is to actually kneel down and the posture of our bodies as we pray, then you actually start, we have to analyze ourselves and ask ourselves, why am I not doing this? Does that make sense? It's kind of like when you find out how to live a healthy life and you realize the certain oils that you used to cook for the, or your parents used to cook, it's not necessarily healthy. So then you go, then why am I using this oil? Why am I not using this oil? Like, like my wife has gone through a stage of like, she was using this oil and she went to this one and all of a sudden this one isn't healthy enough so now she uses this one. Now I think we've gone through maybe about seven different oils. Now apparently we're using the healthiest, healthiest of them all. What is it, honey? Which one? Which oil do you use? Huh? The avocado oil. See, we were using olive. We were using uh, some uh, canola. Either way, what I'm saying is, you find out the 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 depth of certain things, and you ask yourself, why am I not using this? Why am I not doing certain things? And the same thing goes down to our the way we we come before the Lord and and we bring our prayers. Since we're all close, and I'm sure nobody's watching this right now, besides maybe Camila and maybe Cora watching. So, everybody, I want you guys to answer honestly. How many of you guys pray in your bed, but you guys use prayer as a method to go to sleep? Oh, I'm going straight up right now. I'll pray. I'll wake up like Jason Okay, so prayer... On your bed, in order to How many of you guys pray outside of your bed and set a specific time to pray without it, you know, without using it as in like, oh, man, this time I'm going to fall asleep by prayer. How many of you guys have a specific time you guys pray? I see two hands in the back. Three, four. Got it. Meaning like, okay, you know what? I go to bed at 10 o'clock at 9.30. I'm going to take time to pray. Everybody take time to pray for someone in the front, <laughs> for the person. No, just kidding. But so, and how many of us are in constant in a constant state of prayer where you're constantly communicating with the Lord? One, two, three, four. Okay, cool. I think that's the majority of us. I'll be the I'll f- fall under the first category, right? Like throughout the day, I'm like, thank you, Lord, God, help me, and God, show me. Like I'm constantly in that state of communication. But at night, you know, I, God, this is your time. Help me fall asleep. <laughs> like, that's pretty much what it comes down to, right? And I'm praying, I'm praying. And what happens is uh, we, we make a habit of certain things. So when you guys read in that book, and you guys are reading the story of Paul in the book of Ephesians, when he's saying, I'm kneeling down to pray for you guys, you guys, we need to understand the whole concept of what he's doing. It's not just the kneeling down that's important. It's the fact that he was in jail when he was writing the book, the, a letter to the Ephesians. I don't know about you guys, and I hope nobody raises your hand, but I don't, I don't think anybody in this room has gone to jail. But I'm sure it's not a comfortable place to sleep in. I'm sure it's not. I've seen the, what is it, like life in prison. I've seen those shows. So the bed is like super thin. You know, there's somebody else in your room, and the toilet is right there. Like, it, it's, it's, I don't think it's a comfortable place to be. Imagine back in the days where there was literally no human rights, I guess you might want to say. And, 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 and jails were, you know, they were horrible, right? 
Paul put aside what he was going through, and instead of asking for God to get him out, for God to give him strength and help me, Lord, and help me and me, 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 the Bible says that he kneeled down to pray for the spiritual life of the Ephesians. And, and, and I'm like, and, and, and I'm blown away because the fact that when somebody kneels down, it's because they're crying out for help. I used this example on Friday, right? If you, if you guys ever seen the movies where like a guy comes in with a gun, first thing people do is fall on the knees and say, please don't kill me, right? They, they, they don't, like the, the guy with a gun has the power right now of your life, like that's it. Your life depends at that moment with a guy holding it. So therefore you understand that, therefore you're gonna fall on your knees, you're gonna fall on the ground and say, please don't do this. Like I surrender, like take whatever you want, just don't kill me, right? We've seen that. You guys know what I'm talking about. Well imagine, our Christian life and our Christian prayer life, what if it was in that sense, that's all we need to depend on? Shouldn't we be kneeling down, saying, God, help me, right? It, 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 it makes sense to me. But because we're very comfortable and, and we feel like we could get away with 99.9% of things that we do with like, I'll pray before I go to sleep so I can go to sleep. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say a small prayer right before I eat, but I'll pray for the food for the rest of my day. It's like, and we're like, cool, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer whether that prayer actually makes it. Like, I can't tell you whether God's listening or not. But I will tell you that the more we recognize our need and our brokenness, right? one of the first things that the book tells you is like prayer, and I'm going to quote it because I, I'm not going to quote it word by, word by word, but it says like, when we pray, we're recognizing our need for a savior. We're recognizing our need for help. Does that make sense? Somebody that is self-sufficient is not going to pray because they have everything they need. A self-righteous person is not going to pray for forgiveness because they've done nothing wrong. Correct? But when we recognize that we're not self-sufficient and that we're not righteous and that we need a savior and that we need help, that should lead us to a place where, like, God, help me. Does that make sense? And, and I've been learning that and, and going into, well, anyway, I, I thought it would be a good idea to share a little bit if you're reading the book. If you're not reading the book and if you're not planning on reading it, please give it to someone that, that, that doesn't have one. And that way you guys understand what I'm talking about. But I think uh, going forward, I'm going to share a little bit of, of what I've been learning from that book. And I hope you guys understand uh, because you guys are reading the book, right? Who in here does not have a book? Raise your hand. You guys don't have a book? You don't have a book? You don't have a book. Okay. Uh, I say, share with your sister. la hermanita que te lea una historia. Anais, share with your brother. <laughs> Is it, no, honestly, it, I think it's very, yeah. Share the book, guys. Um, anyway, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Colossenses 1.15. You know, I shouldn't, I, should, I shouldn't use that Cuban accent anymore. I feel like everything I say now in Spanish comes out in that tone. My Colossenses 1.15. So, Colossians 1.15 through 23. There's a lot to get to, you guys. This is part one of this verses that we're going to read. So, with that being said, let's read Colossians 1.15. And I'm going to give you guys a bunch of verses, and I purpose, purposely, and I hope uh, Manny and, and Juan didn't put them up there, because I'm noticing a pattern where, like, 
if there's a verse that supports a certain thing that we're talking about, you guys are just looking it up. Some of you guys. I'm not, I, hope, I hope I'm wrong. But some of you guys are just looking it up. It's like, okay, cool. But I, I want you guys to use your Bibles. You know how satisfying it is for somebody up here to hear this? You know? That you guys are going in your Bibles and writing it down and highlighting it. it, it it's good. So um, I'm going to give you guys a bunch of verses, and I hope you guys go into your Bible and look for them and highlight them and write them down. All right? So Colossians 1.15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to, to dwell, and through him to reconcile to him all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, Doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. In order to present you, highlight this, in order to present you and I holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope to, of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, um, we thank you for this time, Lord. I ask you now that as we read your, as we study your word, God, that you speak to our hearts. Give us a mind, Lord, to be able to understand. Give us a heart to be able to receive. Give us the ears, Lord, to be able to hear exactly what it is that you're trying to teach us this afternoon, God. I pray, Lord, for every single person that's in here and anybody that's watching or hearing this, Lord, that you would just help us to understand, Lord, if anything, more than anything, we hope that the seed is planted in, in, in good soil, Lord, so that there may be fruit that pleases you and fruit that lasts, God. So be with us and guide us, Father. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say amen. Now, I'm going to take you guys back to the introduction of the book. All right? Do you guys remember one of the one of the issues of why Paul was writing to the church in Colossae? Anybody? Anthony. What? False testimony? Okay. Yeah. False teachings, right? Yeah. One of the things, one of the teachings that they were uh, that that was getting in through the church was and I'm, I'm gonna look for the word because I know. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Let me. There was a teaching that was being sneaked into the church that some people were kind of like, "Oh, well, that makes sense." Was the fact that they didn't think or they believed that Jesus was not equal to God. That he was created by God, therefore he's not as powerful as God. And this teaching was sneaking into the church. So, remember that's what we talked about in the story. I'm looking for the word that I use. Um, 
sorry guys, I can't imagine. Somebody, I, I gave you guys the definition of this word. Mysticism? What is it? Mysticism? Yes, not, not mysticism, Gnosticism. Gnosticism, there it goes, I found it. Gnosticism is the teaching that was being sneaked into the church, and this means this. Means this. That God is good, but matter is evil. That Jesus Christ, being in the flesh, was merely, merely one of a series of emanations, meaning an abstract of God, but he wasn't God. Okay? This was since he was descending from God and being less, in, that he was being less than God. And that a, a secret, uh, and that a secret higher knowledge above scripture was necessary. Okay, yeah. And that a, a secret yet higher knowledge above the scripture was necessary for enlightenment and salvation. In other words, like if you weren't holy enough, if you, if you didn't have this enlightenment from God to, to show you who Jesus was, you were not going to understand the, the, the whole concept that, okay, God is here and Jesus is here and anybody else. Right? When we know, because of John 1, 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So therefore, Jesus is God. So keep, in, keep that in mind, because that's the reason that Paul writes to the church in Colossae. Now, with that in mind, now, Paul is about to start, he's about to start going down as to like, hey guys, I want you to recognize and I want you to realize who Jesus really is. Verse 15. He. Who is he talking about? Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. Go to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Do we have it up there? Yes. Now. If you have space in your Bible, highlight the word image of the invisible God, and these are the verses that support what Paul is saying. Got it? Hebrews 1.3. He, talking about who? Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact, listen to that, exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is Jesus he's talking about. Jesus holds the, upholds the power of the universe with his words. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The Greek word for image in verse 15 is akon. Not the singer. I think there's a singer called like that. No? Yeah? Okay, cool. You said no. There is. I've heard, I heard the name Akon before. But the Greek word for it, which in English the word means icon, that's where we get it from. Akon is the Greek word. In English we get the word icon. Derives from the meaning a copy or likeness. Jesus Christ is the perfect image, the exact likeness of God. And is in every way from, is in every form of God, is in the very form of God. Philippians 2, verse 6. Philippians 2, verse 6. You guys there? We got it? Thank you. It says, who, talking about Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equally, did, did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped. 
and has been, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Ugh, I messed up my notes. Let me read that again, Ephesians 2, 6. Who, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped, and has been so from all eternity. By describing Jesus, I'm sorry, this is, this is not the note. By describing Jesus in this manner, Paul emphasizes that he is both a representation and a manifestation of God. Thus, he is fully God in every way. Okay. Paul, by describing Jesus in the manner of he is in, uh, that though he was the, in the form of God, then encountered as equal. By doing this, Paul is emphasizing that he is both a representation, icon, icon, sorry, and a manifestation, Philippians 2.6. Thus, he is fully God in every way. It's important for us to understand certain concepts when I tell you guys this. There's people that are going to come our way and says, but the Bible says this and it contradicts itself. When we have multiple verses that are saying the same thing but in different ways, there's no way or there shouldn't be a way where somebody could come and change your mind about certain things, right? So somebody might come to you and tell you, you know what? Jesus is not God. He's like God because Hebrews 1, 3 says so. Okay, cool. Well, let me also tell you what Philippians 2, 6 says. Though, though he was in the form of God, they didn't count himself equal. I'm not equal, I'm sorry. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he knew, Jesus knew that he was equal as God the Father, but he didn't hold on to it. Why? Because he had a purpose, right? What was his purpose? To be sent on this earth to die for our sins. So yeah, he's like God. Hebrews 1.3 says. But he's also God. Philippians 2.6. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In other words, in him dwells the Father, dwells the Holy Spirit, is God himself. John 8.58 and Jesus said to them, truly, I, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, we know that Abraham was born, in lamest term, in the Old Testament. <laughs> Jesus was born in lamest term in the New Testament. Hundreds and hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of years had passed before Jesus was born. Thousands of years, I'm sorry. So therefore, why was Jesus saying, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I was. It means that he was there from the very beginning. John verse, chapter 10, verse 30 and 33, it says, I and the Father are what? One. And because of this, verse 31 says, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them, for which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, It is not, it is not for good work that we are going to stone you, but for the for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself what? God. Again, this is all in connection to verse 15 in Colossians. I hope you guys are. Writing this down, Hebrew, Hebrews 1.8. 
says, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God. is forever and ever the scepter of uprighteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Now, this one's a little bit harder to understand because obviously, well, we're not going to get into details about Hebrews chapter 1. But in Hebrews, in this verse, the writer of Hebrews is saying that God himself, when he says, but of the Son, he that he is God himself, right? But of the Son, God is saying this, your throne, O God. It is hard to understand because why would God say, oh, of your throne, O God? It, because he's letting us know that Jesus himself is God. But of the Son, God says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. You want proof that, God, that Jesus is God? I just gave you all, and there's a lot more, by the way, but I gave you, a lot, I gave you guys a lot of verses where you guys can go in there and be like, man, this makes a lot of sense. And it backs up what Paul is saying, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Second part of it says the firstborn of all creation. Now, I was asking some of you guys that were there with me yesterday in the morning, I asked you guys, what does the, the word firstborn means? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? It's the first kid that was ever born, correct? In my, in my life, my firstborn is Alana. Now, some of you guys were like, well, I know there's a deeper meaning to that. It's the first person that gets the inheritance, which spiritually, sorry, Alana, there's not much I can leave you if I die, because all these people took a lot of the stuff. Just saying. No, 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 no. Nimola, you guys are going to leave my family homeless if I die, you know? That's, that's a whole other Bible study. I'll tell you guys that. This is what the word of God says. The first born over all creation. It doesn't mean that Jesus was the first one created. That's what I'm trying to say. The Greek word for firstborn can refer to one who was born first chronologically, which is what I just said. But most often it refers to the preeminence in position. Let me repeat that again. The Greek word for firstborn can refer to one who was first born in a chronolog chronological order, but it most often refers to the preeminence in position, meaning the top dog, the main dude in, in, in the army, the, 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 the highest general, or I don't know what the word is, general, sergeant, Colonel, thank you. See, I don't know any of that stuff. The guy that controls it all. Oh, I think in the U.S. is the president, isn't it? Is the president? No. Doesn't he have power over? Okay, this we're gonna get into. A, okay, yeah. So, what's the top guy in the army? General. Okay, general. Let's just leave general. We all get the picture, right? We'll talk about this later. Corpo. I even know I know Corpo is not. Corpo is like that. There's private Corpo, Sergeant, and then goes on. No, I didn't know who the highest one was. You know I was going to join the Army. Okay, I'll tell you guys that story later. 
In other words, again, it often refers to a preeminence in position or rank. In both Greek and Jewish cultures, the firstborn was the ranking son who had to receive, who had received the right of inheritance from his father. Whether he was firstborn or not, it is used it is use of Israel, who not being the first nation to ever be created, was however the preeminent nation. That's a perfectly good example. Israel is probably one of the smallest countries in the, in the Middle East. Yet, it is God's chosen nation. The word firstborn is used towards Israel, not because Israel was the first nation to ever be created. But it's a preeminent nation. God has a purpose for it. God has a major position for Israel. We know this. Again, this is one of the verses that I hope you guys write down and go home and look at it. We know this because of Exodus 4.22 and Jeremiah 31.9. This, again, backs up what I just told you right now about uh, Israel being the firstborn um, So in verse 15, the second part where it says the firstborn over all creation, it clearly means that Jesus is the highest in rank, not that he was the first created. Because we know that Jesus has always been there, right? Before Abraham, I am. Go to Psalm 89, 27. Today's Bible study is probably going to confuse a lot of you guys because I'm throwing you guys a lot of information. But I hope you, if, if this interests you, if this is one of the things like, man, I, I, I want to get this, I really encourage you guys to go home and, and listen to it again and write down a lot of these verses because this, all these verses, guys, will help you develop a stronger foundation if somebody ever comes and tries to confuse you guys about anything. And I know with the 45 minutes that we have at church, it's too much information to throw at you guys, but it's very needed, guys. It's very needed. All right? Psalm 89, 27 says, And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of what? Of the kings of the earth. For several, for uh, the king of the earth. Talking about Jesus. Why was Jesus not the first created? For a couple of reasons. I'm going to give you guys about four reasons. Yes, I hope you guys write it down. First reason. Jesus cannot be both the first begotten son and the only begotten son. What does that mean? Jesus cannot be both the first begotten and the only begotten. It doesn't make sense. Grammatically, Grammatically, is that, huh? yeah. Grammatically? Thank you. I said it for, wrong the first time, huh? Grammatically. So that's what I was trying to say. Grammatically. It doesn't make sense in the English. If you're the first, you cannot be the only one. Does that make sense? So that's reason number one why Jesus is not a first creation or first created. Number two, when the firstborn is one of a class, the class is in a plural form. But creation, the class here, is in a singular form. 
this is where it's going to get a little confusing. When you talk of a firstborn in the, in, 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 in the way of like he's the first in a chron chronological order, it is implied that there's more to come. Right? I heard this riddle a long time ago, and I'll give it to you guys so if it makes sense to you guys. Now knowing what I just told you right now, a young guy goes to school. It's, uh, when they show, when they bring something to show, what is it? Chantel, thank you. Man, I haven't been in school such a long time. Okay, Chantel. This guy decides to bring a sword from World War I. Okay, if you know the answer, keep it to yourself. Cool. This guy decides to bring a sword from his great-great-grandfather, and it said on the, on the title of the sword, whatever, it was in a box, whatever you want to call it, and it says, thank you for your participation in World War I. Your honorable general Sancho, whatever. I'm making this up, right? The guy comes and brings it to the school, and, and the teacher says, You're lying. I know that that sword is fake. And he asked him, like, When did your great great grandfather get it? He goes, Oh, yeah, right after World War I, they gave this to my, my great 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 grandfather. He says, Yep, you're lying. This sword is not real. Why is this sword not real? Exactly. You cannot name World War I, right, if there's not more to come. At that time, it would just would have, win, would have been a World War or the Great War. Good job, Kevin. Do you guys understand how that works, right? When you add a first or a one, you're expecting it to be more. So, now, now, now knowing this, thank you, Kevin. I'm very, it took me a while to get it, by the way, but you got it right away. He's heard it before. He's heard it before. I, uh, no, just kidding. You're very smart. I think the fact that I gave you a hint as to, okay, cool. But that was pretty, you're pretty smart. Now, now knowing this, that's why in, in, in Colossians 1.15, when the word of God is using firstborn, it cannot relate to the first of many to come. Because right after it says, the firstborn of all creation, not creations. It's not a plural to it. Do you guys understand? So therefore, Jesus, the word firstborn is being used in a rank. He's the highest of them all. He's the highest priest. He's the highest king of king, according to Psalm, right? Psalm 80, 89, 27. And I will make him the first one, the highest of the kings of the earth. So therefore, Jesus cannot be created. Jesus has always been there. Jesus is God. Reason number three, if Paul was teaching that Christ was a created being, he was agreeing with a heresy that was being taught, that was being snuck into the, to, to the church at that time. Again, remember, the, the teaching of, what was it, Beto? And Gnosticism was the fact that because Jesus was a created being, he cannot be equal to God, right? So if Jesus was actually teaching that, I mean, if Paul was teaching that, he was agreeing with a heresy. He was agreeing with the lie. So therefore, we know that that's not what Paul was trying to say. We know that Paul was trying to let us know that Jesus is God. And number four, it is impossible for Christ 
to be both created and the creator of everything. That makes perfect sense, correct? So now we understand that when the word in, in Colossians 1.15, when it says the firstborn, it has nothing to do with the number one being born. It has to do with the ranking, the position. You guys understand, this is when you get into like deeply Bible studies, how we could miss all this information had we not gone into the details we just went through. And it's important for us to know these things because people are going to challenge that. People are going to say, well, the Bible in Colossians 1.15 says that he was the first, firstborn of, of, of creation. So that means he was, you know, he was created by God. Let me tell you that that's not what the Bible teaches. <laughs> and then you give him all these things, right? And you, you question them, right? You'd be like, well, explain to me. You know, Jesus cannot be created and the creator of everything. And something to back that up is, again, in Colossians 1.16, uh, what else? Yeah. Yes. Verse 16. Again, it backs up what I just told you right now. Verse 16 of 116 says, For by him all things were what? Created. For by him. So, in other words, if Jesus was created, how can he, he, how can he create everything? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't go. So therefore, we know Paul wasn't teaching that. Jesus created everything in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. And for who? For him. I'm going to give you guys a bunch of verse, verses. I'm sorry. I'm going to give you guys a bunch of verses that are going to back this up. We're not going to put them out there because it's a lot. And we're not going to break them down. This is for you to go home and study them. Ready? When the Bible says dominions or rulers or authorities, it doesn't say dominions and rulers and authorities. All right? So that means that Paul is grouping this three uh, group of, of things together. These are various categories of angels. Let me repeat that again. Dominions and rulers, or I'm sorry, thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Now, in the ESV, the word that is being used for, uh, for principalities is rulers. Okay? Rulers and principalities. So it's the same thing. Okay, these are various categories of angels from angels whom Christ created and rules over them. There is no comment regarding whether they are holy or fallen angels, since he is Lord of both groups. I found that very interesting because I'm like, that can be impossible. How can angels that are falling, you know, how can God, how can Jesus rule over them? You know, the Bible says that at the end, when this world is over, it says every knee will bow, and every mouth will confess, whether Christian, non-Christian, any religion, you believe in God or not, the Bible says that in the end times, every, and when the original says every, it means all, all knees will, will bow down, and every, all mouth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. 
So it makes sense why Paul is saying that Jesus has dominion over all kinds of dominions, over all kinds of thrones, over all kinds of principalities, over all kinds of powers. Second part of verse 16, I mean the first part, I, I jumped a little bit to the second part, but uh, the second part is all things were created through him and for him. Go to Romans chapter 11, 36, uh, Romans 11, 33 through 36. This one we are going to read because I didn't put it up there. Romans 11, 33 through 36. Are you guys there? Yes, 11, 33 through 36. You guys ready? It says, All the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable, inscrutable his ways. Verse 34. It says, For who has known the mind of the Lord or whom has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him and that he may be repaid? For from him and through him and to him all are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. When everything was created through him and for him and to him, what the writers are telling us, the, the writer in the book of Romans, and it's Paul, and, and, and right here in Colossians, which is Paul, he's letting us know that every single thing that we know to exist was created for the purpose of the worship of his glory. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12. Everything, you and I, the heavens, uh, everything was created for the purpose of the worship of his glory. That's why Paul is saying everything was created through him because he is the creator of it all. And everything was created for him because it was meant to glorify him. You want to confuse someone? Next time somebody, somebody shows you a, something they bought, right? let's say a car, let's say, let's say a watch. Or the new iPhone, right? We all are dying for the new iPhones when they come out. I don't want you to see my new iPhone. And they show it to you. And you want to confuse them a little bit? It's like, yeah, praise God, man. He created that. No, no, it was Apple. Nah, it was God. You know, and this instrument, it should be meant to glorify him. Not for it's meant for me to search the internet and, and call someone. It's not meant. No, you can glorify God through this. And this will blow people's minds away. But in reality, that's how it all works. Everything was created for him. In Romans, he takes it to an even higher step, and everything was created to him. That's why next, next time you think, oh, man, I've accomplished everything in life. I have everything I want in my life, and nobody could take that away. And then something happens, and everything's ripped away from you. Do you know that was meant for you to give to the Lord? You know that your relationships, whether it be friends, whether it be uh, husband and wife relationship, all that is meant to say, Lord, this is for you. 
yeah, we get to enjoy the pleasures of, of, of having fellowship with one another. But even in that, we need to make sure that this, like this group of friends that we have, it's not meant for just us to enjoy it. It meant for us to, as we enjoy things together as a church, as, as, as friends and, and as family, that we glorify God through it. Hey, man, why is your group of friends on La Promesa? Why are, you guys are always, why are you guys always happy? Why are you guys always having fun? Do it because we love the Lord, man. Because we recognize who the Lord is in our lives, and therefore that gives us the freedom to enjoy one another, to be honest with one another, to be transparent with one another. So now you see how everything is created for him and to him. Colossians 1.17, again, it tells us that Jesus was not created because he's always been there. Verse 17 says, and he, talking about Jesus, is before all things. Before anything ever existed, Jesus was and is. Let me rephrase that. Jesus is. And in him all things hold together. You know, if we are holding on to things in our lives, whether it be jobs, whether it be friendships, whether it be whatever, right? Ideas, dreams. And we hope that that dream satisfies or those things satisfy a part of us that is very selfish. I'll tell you guys this. I'm very open to the idea of like creating things. I really am. I love writing songs, really do. Love it, love it. It's, I, I, I share some with you guys. If I, if I had a dream job, I, I had two dream, dream jobs, by the way, and they're really dream, and they're both are very opposite to one another. One is to be a music producer, to be a music writer, and I can make a living off of just writing music for Christian artists and producing it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. On number two, be a, a, a crime investigator, really do. I love to find out who killed who and why they kill. Them. Really do. I watched the show the first 48 hours, and um, I, it's funny because my wife goes, "Stop watching that, Beth." I was like, "I just need to find out who did it and why they did it." That's. Those are my two dreams. I know they're both opposite to one another, right? But you know how many songs I've written that I never share with anyone? Too many. You know how many songs I started writing and it was like, oh, that sounds really good. Oh, man, that's really nice. And I never, it never goes anywhere. Because I always take, and not all the time, sometimes I, brought in, I, I, have, I play songs in the church that I think are like, wow, this is, it, this is it. And then we play it once or twice and never again do we play them again. And there's a reason behind that. Because at times where I say, God, this is, I wrote this song. And I want to give it to you. But I want to make sure that you're pleased with this. And I want to make sure that you're, uh, you're being glorified through this. Please let this grow. Let this, like, whew. But if it's going if it's it, to boost my ego, if it's going to be one of those things where, like, oh, I wonder who wrote that song. I'll be humble about this. <laughs> but I did it. Like, if, if that's going to be my attitude, take it away. Like, I don't, nope, 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 nope. Nope, no. And at 90% of the times, God says, nope. Because I'm excited. I was like, oh, I, I want people to hear what I wrote. 
oh man, I'm, I, I want people to be like, oh, great job, Joel. And, and, and I know that God is stopping from that, that from happening in my life. So when the Bible says, in, all th- in him, all things hold together, even your relationships, friendships, again, all kinds of things in your life, if they're not meant to glorify God, God, Jesus is not going to hold that together. Don't fight him when the Lord takes something away from your life that is not going to glorify him. Because all things were created for him. And in him, all things hold together. So if it doesn't hold together, it's because God doesn't want it in our lives. Do you understand? If this doesn't bring honor and glory to the Lord, he's not going to hold that together. The first part says, in and he is before all things. Here are some verses that will help you to back this up. Are you guys ready to write them down? Micah 5.2. John 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right? John 8.58. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. And Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. All these verses are going to go ahead and help you to back up the idea that, in, that he was before all things. That he was there before the universe, before the universe. The universe had a beginning. Jesus Christ sustains the universe. He, he maintains his power going. I had a, <laughs> Edith, you won't let me lie on this one because you remember this person. We go to a, and a Yosemite trip when Edith and I, when she fell in love with me. It is what it is. She fell in love with me on that trip. I wasn't paying attention to her, but she fell in love with me whether she likes to admit or not. But this was the trip where she fell in love with me. We go up on, a, on, a, on another uh, trail, and this one's about 45 minutes. But we get to the point where we see the mountain, the, the big old rock, El Capitan, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? You can see it in all its glory. And you can see a lot of trees. Like, it's very green and beautiful. Someone asked a question. And this person was serious about this. Said, well, at that time, it was Jose, the leader. He goes, Jose, I have a question. She was about 16, 17. She says, who waters the plants? And we all kind of look at each other and say, come on, are you serious? Like, uh, like, I wonder if they pay like a, 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 like a jardinero to water the plants. And then, oh, I have another question. Who put the rocks there? So, and this person was serious about all those things. She actually thought that somebody, like a person, was able to do all those things. But at that time, Jose, well, Jose, knowing the word, he goes, you know, God did all of this. God is the one who waters this. And that goes together with this, that he, in him, all things hold together. He powers the universe. He gives the sun the necessary fuel it needs to keep, it needs to keep going. The stars, he powers all of that. You know the song when you learn when you're a little kid? He holds the whole world. And literally what it means. 
and it's him. Now, keep that in mind. This is going to be part two. I'll give you guys a little teaser for next week because we're past our time. Knowing that this is the God that we serve, this is the guy that we are teaching here at church, right? The creator of everything, the firstborn of everything. Verse 18 says this, he is the head of what? Of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the first from the dead, firstborn from the dead, that in him he might be preeminent. Now, again, we're going to get into that later. But I want you guys to pay attention to the first part. And he's the head of the body, the church. This church, La Promesa, has to be held together by Jesus. Putting it into context as to what verse 17 said. That all things hold together through him. So therefore, if all things he holds together, he has to hold this church together. It's not our ofrendas. It's not our attendance. You know how many times, like, you guys have been here for a while. You know how many times on a certain service, there's been two, three, five people sitting down? And all of a sudden, the comments start going, that's it, this is the end of the church. And God wants us to shut down. This is it. No more. <laughs> and then somehow, like, I don't know if you guys noticed the past two Sundays in the Spanish service, like God has been like bringing new people in. There's new people within the church. It's not the advertisement. It's not our great Facebook page. It's not the Instagram and our website. None of that is what's bringing people in. It's the Lord because he's the one that holds this together. If we, if we take the same concept of, that is God that holds our lives together, then we need to trust him in every single thing that we do, correct? Financially, with material things, with your school, in your personal life. If he holds everything together, then I need to depend on that. That is where my trust is, and that's where my hope is. So therefore, this is helping us to establish a strong foundation so that when the enemy comes and tries to shake you off, that you will stand firm in the midst of everything that's happening. All right? We good? Questions, complaints, suggestions? We good? I'm sorry? For, uh, for that, uh, that he was before all things? Micah 5, 2. John 1, verses 1 and 2. John 8, 58. 1 John, verse 1. And Revelations 22, 13. Those are, those are to back up the, the phrase where Paul is saying that he is before all things. Let's pray, guys. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much again, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity, Lord, to be able to study your word and, and go into death so that our foundation in you may be stronger, God. Help us to not grow weary. Help us to not uh, feel overwhelmed, but to be able to put our trust fully in you, God, because we know that all things were created by you, for you, and to you, including my life. So if my life was meant to honor and glorify you, Lord, help me to be able to develop that. Help me, Lord, to be able to accomplish what you've called me to do. And that should be our prayer. I pray for every single young person in this room, Lord, that you would just help us to understand what that calling looks like in our lives. 
that no matter what happens with certain people, that no matter what happens in certain scenarios, that we know that our calling is to make sure that we bring, we bring you honor and glory. If I bring you honor and glory, Lord, and being the best husband, Lord, then help me be the best husband. If I bring you honor and glory, Lord, and being the best student, help me be the best student. If I bring you honor and glory, Lord, and being the best son or daughter that I could be, help me be the best son and daughter or daughter that I could be. If I bring you honor, Lord, and being the best friend that you want me to be, then help me to be that best friend. If I bring you the best honor, Lord, by being the best servant that I can be, then help me, Lord. If I bring you honor, Lord, and glory by loving one another, Lord, then help me to love one another. Again, Lord, every single aspect of my life needs to be set in a foundation, Lord, that's unshakable, that's unmovable. Help us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit and guide us. We love you and we praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.